1: the
2: volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecock, a little go-low pod, fresh off Augusta, and we'd be lying if there wasn't a little hangover. We, we already miss it. It's hard to uh, set some uh, ratings records of the last five years up 20%, so it was it was a good one. It was a good one. We will dive into it all. I don't think I quite did Phil Mickelson justice. We will talk about that off the top. Zalators went under the knife. Not ideal. Sobel on uh, what it was like there. The reaction from Brooks and Phil and Rory and Rom. We will dive into it all this week. The RBC Heritage. Uh, I, I, I listen, I, I gotta pull back on my gambling. It's, uh, it's been ugly a couple of months, but I, I am going to take sprinkle 60 to one. You can get JT Poston, Tommy Fleetwood. I also think this is a good long shot week. Guys like Joel Damon, uh, Billy Horschel, uh, have some long Keith Mitchell, some long garage. You just throw 20 bucks. You get them a hundred plus to one. I mean, you win two G's. The, the one favorite I'm kind of interested in is Cam Young. He's bound to win. I was thinking Thagala, but Thagala was terrible here last year. Not a great driver of the golf ball, but Cam Young was really good here last year. You can get him like 21 to 1. So those are some names. Uh, as well as at Golopod. At Golopod is how you get onto the pods mailbag. Just fire in those DMs, at Golopod, and we will discuss it here as well as volume merch we we got a lot of golo merch on the volume's website the thevolume.com the just search in the top right corner all the shows and click on golo we got adidas polos we got trucker hats we are uh we got some things cooking but pushing some product uh, i got i got some in transit right now that i'm going to start rocking so if you want to get a volume or excuse me a golo polo they have volume stuff too but golo polo golo hat we got you covered just go to thevolume.com. And uh, and search away all the merch. So, yeah, let's talk some golf. The U.S. Open's not that far away. I've been thinking about going. It's in Los Angeles this, this year. Uh, the PGA Championship, a lot of summer golf tournaments, as well as baseball, basketball, NBA playoffs. Highest ticket price right now, first round. Sacramento Kings. Don't sleep on the 916. And with the official ticket app of this podcast, GameTime, go to your app store, download the GameTime app, And just use the promo code John. You want to go to a game? You want to go to a concert? You want to get outside? You want to go to a concert? You want to go to a comedy show? I got you covered. $20 off. Promo code J-O-H-N. Just my name. And go go to an event. Take a loved one. Take your son. Take your wife. Take a buddy. And go have a good time. Have a few few brewskis. Enjoy yourself uh, with my friends at Game Time. Download the app right now. Promo code John. Um, You guys are hammering that promo code. Really appreciate you. I'm going to use it going to, I think, George Strait concert here in a month. Uh, Morgan Wallen and definitely catch catch a game or two. So I'm very excited for the upcoming summer. Sun is out. It's hot. I wanted to start with Phil Mickelson. And there were obviously some early images before the Masters even started him wearing the swag. The high flyers uh that that logo, and there's no way around it I, I I thought it was sad, and I've never thought it was sad that he took two hundred million dollars to leave. I, I'll say over and over that that can't bother me any less. I thought it was sad that one of the great individuals in just sports, I, I mean one of the most famous guys going uh over the last in my you know adult life, twenty plus years. Has just been rendered kind of a laughing stock. And one of the biggest personalities in all of sports, I mean, he would never stop talking. He was the life of the party. Was all the reports came out about the champions dinner? He couldn't talk. Not that he can't talk, he just didn't talk. And he was just kind of a mute. And to me, there's no way around it other than to say, like, that's kind of sad. It really is because. It's not like his personality is gone. But in a weird way, he looks defeated from all the arrows that he took. And this is a big reason Liv gave him so much money. is he was by far, his brand was bigger than every other guy they signed. Kepka, Cam Smith, DJ combined. Because of the length, the longevity of his career, and obviously his success. But the cool part about the Masters is it's the only major where they return to every single year. And we have seen, guys, what was the story that in 98, Tiger and Jack both finished in the top 10 and Jack was 58 years old, that older guys, Freddie Couples this year at 63 years old made the cut, that you can have success because experience matters. Now, there's a difference between having success and being the oldest guy to ever finish top five at the Masters, as Phil just did. And the the sad part about this, the whole the way this is all played out is Not that we necessarily miss Phil on a week-in, week-out basis at Riviera, at the RBC Heritage, at Memorial. It's just that he's not around anymore. And when he does have success, it's like this guy is right there. He just happened to be Peyton Manning and Tom Brady played at the same time, which was Tiger Woods. But when you look at the history of the sport in the modern era, like post-World War II... You're talking Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, Gary Player, Lee Trevino, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. Like, he's in that conversation. And to me, his accomplishment this weekend is probably not even getting its due. I thought Sunday was fucking awesome. When he hit that putt on 18 and gave that fist pump, it it was hard. If you love the sport and if you're somewhat my age and you've been watching golf, right, for a long time, he has played a massive role. He's obviously a six-time major champion, but I don't think saying that out loud does it justice. He is never going to be Tiger Woods. He never, obviously, Tiger is 80-plus wins. He's got 45. Tiger is 15 majors. He's got six. But relative to everyone else, they can't hold his jock over the last 20-plus years. I look today. He's obviously never won the U.S. Open and had some devastating losses there. In 99, I think, to Payne Stewart. uh, I I think it was 06 or 08 at Wingfoot. He has finished second at the U.S. Open. Not a couple times, six. He has 29 top fives in majors. He has 40 top tens. Like The likelihood that even a Rory uh, Jordan Spieth is ever going to accomplish what Phil has accomplished is probably slim to none. And the one thing that makes feel different than, obviously, Tiger is longevity. Like, he's 52. Now, his body, and listen, I can relate to this, ebbs and flows with weight. But right now, he looks pretty good. And he's never been injured golf-wise. Think how many great players just over the last decade have been injured. Hell, Will Zalatoris just had his back opened up. Jason Day broke down back injuries. Brooks Kepka. Lower body knee injuries, hip injuries, Tiger Woods, obviously countless injuries. A lot of guys get injured, especially in this day and age with how hard everyone swings. Well, Phil's always been one of the longest players, but he's had kind of this long, smooth swing. He's never battled injuries. He's battled other things, right? Suing the tour, talking shit about the Saudis and the tour at the same time, getting suspended slash disappearing. But and and at times playing poorly, but it's never like, you know, Phil's on the shelf for eight months with knee surgery or, you know, he's got a labrum issue or a shoulder or his elbows messed up. I'm sure he's had nicks and bruises over his career, but he's never battled major injuries. And you watch him this just this last tournament. He can still and who knows, like he's going to be in the majors for the foreseeable future because he won at Kiowa. Obviously, he's got a lifetime exemption to the Masters because he's won the Open Championship. He can play there until he's 60, so he's still got eight plus more years of that. And the PGA, in the U.S. Open, he's going to play for years to come because of his recent major victory. Like, to me, in my lifetime, the two coolest majors were Tiger. It was 08 when Tiger won the U.S. Open and beat Rocco with the messed up knee. And it was 19 when he finally kind of Returned his completed his comeback, right? And he won the Masters with Charlie. I would put Phil Mickelson right behind that in 21. When Phil didn't just win Kiowa kind of out of nowhere as a massive, massive underdog, he took down Brooks Kepka, who at the time was easily the most accomplished guy, who had been winning majors, who had been going toe to toe with everybody. They played together in the last group. Phil beat him. Just like we're giving John Rahm a lot of credit for beating Brooks Kepka. Like, Brooks kept had kind of been MIA, had been out of sight, out of mind, and not playing very well because he has been injured. Like, that's not the guy Phil beat. Phil didn't beat some out of sight, out of mind guy. Phil beat the guy that everyone thought was going to win. Hell, I remember when they teed off, I'm like, I don't know if Phil's going to be able to hang on. Phil didn't just hang on, kind of kicked his ass. So, what I think this weekend kind of brought back to light is Phil's an all-time great. I I really think he's Peyton Manning and, and Tiger's Tom Brady. And Peyton Manning, in a weird way, feels underrated because of the era he played in. He just happened to play in the era with the greatest player of all time. And when you talk about all-time great quarterbacks, like Marino, right? Uh, you start listing guys off. Favre Rogers. I don't think we put Peyton Manning high enough. Like, honestly, besides Montana, obviously Brady's one, Montana's two. Like, what the hell is the difference between Elway and Peyton Manning? Both have two Super Bowls. Both went to several and lost. Both, ton of Pro Bowls. Both kicked everyone's ass in the regular season for a decade and a half. Like, I mean, they're basically the same guy. And you look at Phil, like, beside Jack Arnie and Tiger and Gary Player, right? Like, who, who are you taking over Phil? Lee Trevino? Love Lee Trevino. Patting my game after him. Little baby baby cut. Six-time major champion. Take Phil's career. <laughs> Definitely when you factor in longevity. So, uh, very, very cool to watch. That Sunday with him and Jordan was just electric. And part of what... I mean, Jordan really is the modern-day, younger version of Phil. What makes Phil so cool is it just can look crazy. He can fucking fire it into trees. He can do just shots that look like you and I. But the difference is when he finds himself behind a tree, he'll hit it over that fucking tree three feet from 190 yards and tap it in for birdie, (laughs) you know, and Jordan does the same stuff at any single moment. You can look up after five straight birdies and the guy could be in seven holes over because he just sprayed it, hit a rock, kicked over a green and you're like no one's ever been here all tournament long and Jordan and Phil constantly find themselves right there Uh, for guys that are you know, two of the greatest of their generations they have some of the more relatable shots and then they completely go unrelatable when they pull the miraculous cat out of the hat and uh, I enjoyed watching Phil. It was fun to have lefty back. Now I miss the lefty imagine if Peyton Manning just never said anything I actually think they parallel each other a lot Like Peyton is a massive personality, opinion wise, always smiling, just kind of the life of the party. That was Phil. And it feels like he's lost that because it's fastball because of this whole live thing. And that comes with when you take the money in a controversial situation, you're suing the tour and you're acting like the tour is a bunch of village idiots. And who knows? Maybe he has there's some validity to some of the stuff that he was talking about. But clearly he wasn't right on everything. And a big reason for his wealth was that tour for 25 years. And he wasn't the bus driver. That, that was Eldrick Tiger Woods. So uh, it's a complicated situation, but very enjoyable to have him back. A couple other news and notes. Jason Day said last year at the PGA Championship when Tiger withdrew, one of the screws in his ankle was sticking out of the skin. I, I, I Listen, I, I love Tiger Woods. I get more and more concerned that this is a sustainable thing. Uh, He can have moments just on individual holes where he's hitting at 320 yards. He's working balls both ways. He can hit fantastic wedge shots, but pro golf isn't one hole. Pro golf isn't 18 holes. Pro golf is four rounds and he just can't really do that. And anytime, anytime the weather turns, it's, it's game over. It's a wrap. And let's face it. A lot of times the weather does turn, you know, Uh, definitely at the open championship, Augusta is very hit or miss. I mean, you could argue the U.S. Open consistently should be a very, very warm venue. The problem is it's typically the most difficult venue. And um, I just think that this is kind of the tiger we're getting. Maybe you get a round out of him. Um, It just and if the weather turns, whether it's plantar fasciitis, whether it's just, you know, his back stiffening up his ankle, he can just barely walk. Uh it's tough. A ton of admiration for the guy. His toughness is has has never been uh, never seen anything like it in, in the sport he's in. You know, he he's really wired more mentally like he's a offensive guard for the Pittsburgh Steelers or Oakland Raiders in nineteen seventy eight, which I, I think draws us to him, right? This version of him, because he's no longer the the dominant all time great ass kicker that he was in the you know late nineties, two thousands. I think what you see now is a guy that just refuses to tap out. Anyone in any business who wants to achieve can, you know, I don't know necessarily relate to it, but admire it. But also it's on the, you know, on the human side, it can be tough to watch to see a guy that's just holding on for dear life. And, you know, he mentioned it before the tournament. I don't know how many he's got left uh, because he's never, he's going to be too prideful. He's he's never taken a cart, which I'd have no problem with. He want to take a cart. Take a cart, man. But he's he's not going to. Another guy that's going to need to take a cart. And this shows you, uh, we don't think about it. Like in football, we know at any moment your career could end or an injury can derail your career. Uh, in baseball, the moment you get, you have elbow issues as a pitcher or whatever, it can be like, ah, hopefully he's the same. Now, Tommy John, the, the modern medicine, it's made it easier for guys to bounce back. But Zalatoris was a guy, a lot of you guys in my DMs were like, take Zalatoris, take Zalatoris. He always plays well in majors, especially at Augusta. And then he withdraws immediately, and then a couple days later, he has a back surgery. And to me, there are two angles on this. Uh, First and foremost, it sucks. And anytime you get your back cut up on... I remember when I lived in the Bay Area, and I was going to a lot of Warriors games. Remember, five, six years ago, Steve Kerr, uh, the second year the Warriors beat the Bulls record 72, he didn't coach a lot of those games. Luke Walton did, because he was in so much pain after back surgery. And I remember him saying, like, anything you can't... And he used to talk to Tiger Woods about it. And his message was, like, everything humanly possible, avoid back surgery. Because it's just, it's not like a knee or an elbow. It's very, very complicated. I don't, I can't pretend to know a lot about it. But I know when guys get it, that there's no guarantee that, oh, just a year later, 100%. Uh, and Zalatoris is a guy in his mid-20s who looked like, you know, th- the ceiling was... I don't know, unlimited. A guy that could win a couple majors, a guy that could win, you know, have like a Justin Thomas type career. Jordan Spieth, like be be one of the better Americans on tour. And now you just never know, man. You you just don't. And this is the other thing about, and I, I'm just gonna say this over and over until this happens, and I don't think it's gonna happen for the foreseeable future. You can't go all in on gambling as the PGA tour does and have us just not know anything. I mean, know nothing, right? This guy, a lot of you put money on him. Now you get your money back, but if you knew he had a back injury, you just want to bet on someone else. So this notion that he's trying and then all of a sudden he withdraws and then two days later he's under the knife, like that's, there's got to be some sort of report. It doesn't even need to be that in depth. It doesn't need to be like the NFL, but there has to be something of like, Will Zalatoris back, right? Questionable. I don't even, you don't even need to put questionable, just back so-and-so ankle, so-and-so wrist, you you would just be less inclined to put money on the guy. And that is just not happening. And I I think that's an area that Jay Monahan, the tour, these gambling companies, we need to come together and just get some sort of universal... I'm not a big hockey guy, though I, I respect the shit out of the sport. I think they just do lower body, upper body, even if it's something like that. But just some sort of injury report at the beginning of, maybe on like Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe Tuesday, They're just an injury report. Guys in the field that lower body, upper body. I'd be fine with that. I'm not asking for the moon here. I'm just asking for basic information on guys who are legitimately hurt, who are legitimately hurt. And uh, listen, I'm a big Will Zalatoris fan. Very jealous of the uh, of the waistline, which is weird. Like he does not. It's not like he's some overweight younger guy. You know, if you told me John Rom had back injuries, but like, yeah, I could see it. You know, big guy carrying some weight. Wilson Torres weighs like 160 pounds, soaking wet. He's dealing with back injuries, and it's not like his swing is that violent. I know he swings hard, but it's it's kind of that Cam Young just direct back swing to boom down and man, uh, never know. Last but not least, the Masters. The ratings were really high, and they were 20 percent higher than last year. Makes sense. I mean, controversy sells. And there's one thing like you could try to create controversy. My girlfriend loves Vanderpump. And I guess there's this girl that was sleeping with this guy while he was married. I I can't even keep up. I I don't really care. But I will say this. All of her friends, I see it on Instagram. Like that creates more interest, right? And you can't tell me live, live transcended golf. And I'll be the first, like I'm in the football business. Golf, Golf is a niche sport, right? Football is this country's, I mean, it's our national pastime. It's the only thing we can all agree on. But last year, the NBA finals struggled to get 10, 11 million people to watch. That's with the Boston Celtics, the second biggest brand in the sport, minus the Lakers historically, and Steph Curry. And they were struggling to get 10, 11, 12 million people to watch. So getting 12 million people to watch, now the Masters is the sports Super Bowl, It is a big deal. And I think the live... I think Kepka versus Rom, Phil being in the mix, just the drama. Obviously, the the event itself. Uh, but you know, the, the, we're never going to see more than likely. Tiger Woods got nineteen million people to watch in two thousand nineteen. The Masters plus Tiger Woods equals like you know Patrick Mahomes playing a regular season game. But I, I do think this live element you could argue for the majors could be really good because the only time of the year where we're going to get. You know, oh, Kepka, Phil, DJ, along with oh, Rom, Spieth, right? Some of these guys, and um, it's cool. I mean, it's it's good for the sport, and it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see the television ratings for the other majors, because you're going to want live guys in the mix. I think the key is to have a couple live guys every single tournament. Just they don't necessarily have to be leading like Brooks, but just in the last couple groups come the weekend that adds. I don't even want to say controversy. It just adds interest. It, it does because y- you can't go anywhere, even if you don't like golf. And if you're listening to this, you probably do. But, and you know, most people know about live, you know, most sports fans have like heard about live. Even if you're a big baseball fan, not a big golf guy. If you're a big basketball guy, not, you know about live golf. Uh, so th- it's, it's definitely going to have a short term positive impact on the big tournaments, non PGA. Cause there's RBC heritage. There, there's no, none of the controversial guys are there and we all know cw like let's face it kind of boring like the live is not getting us out of bed to turn on the television but especially if you bet on bryson and D Chambo and he's dead dfl uh but that's good for the masters i'm john cipher and i'm jerry o'shea we spent over 30 years
0: in the cia uncovering global conspiracies conspiracies aren't just a theory to us which is why we started our podcast mission implausible
4: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I got to read this DM to Jason Sobel in my Instagram mentions. It said, tell Sobel he was great on the Masters Radio broadcast on Thursday. You're crushing it. Are you alive? How you doing? Well, first of all, I'll tell whoever sent you that DM. Thank you. Nick.
1: Um, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Uh, I'm doing well. Look, that, that is a long week for a whole lot of reasons. I, I wish I could bring somebody along with me and just show them like what it's like. It, a lot of people go, Oh man, that's so cool. You got to go to Augusta and see the masters. And yes, that's a big part of it as well, but stayed in the house with four of my buddies who all do Sirius XmpJ to a radio and we're all just hanging out, having a good time all week. Uh, team no sleep for the entire week, working a ton, get back and get after it every night. I woke up at, 5 a.m. Monday morning, drove seven hours home to Orlando, did my show, I crashed for like four hours, woke up and wrote about the RBC Heritage until two in the morning. It, I, it's nuts, but I love every second of it.
2: You, you should have told the uh, the Action Network, you're going, Rory, like I'm out on the RBC. Like I'm, gonna, I'm taking the week off. Only got so many bullets in the
1: chamber. I'm going to save them for later this summer. We got some stuff brewing.
2: The, the tournament was a little weird just based on the weather uh, yeah, I know, I think Saturday morning you were tweeting how bad the weather was from inside. Uh, yeah, you've been going to, going going to, to this tournament for a long time. I mean, that looked like Ireland. I mean, that, that was when Cam Young and John Rahm are struggling to hit it 240 yards off the okay. tee. You know, it's not just cold, wet. I mean, that's, that's tough, man.
1: All of that said, look, we can't. We don't have a direct line to Mother Nature. I don't know. Maybe people at Augusta National, if you have a green jacket, you can just get on the line with Mother Nature and tell her exactly what you want. But you can't dial up the weather. If you could, I love the idea of having different weather patterns throughout a four-round tournament. So it's not just 72 and sunny and a one-club wind for four days. It's not just 55 and windy for four days not just raining for four days like hey give me a little bit of everything we're trying to identify the best player and we want to find the best player in all different types of conditions I thought that part of it's great now granted uh, half the guys got screwed with the wrong part of the draw when Brooks Kepka's sitting back in the rental house sipping on hot cocoa on Saturday morning and John Rums trying to hit a three iron 180 yards maybe that's not exactly quote-unquote fair but it's the luck of the draw, and I I love it when events. This is like the Players' Championship last year, which lasted yeah. five days, but we had all four seasons. I, I thought it was very much the same, and it's almost like playing a video game. You know the old Tiger Woods video games? I guess there are more golf video games out there. I don't play them these days, but uh, where you can just dial up the weather. You say, okay, this round we're going to play in uh, rain and a 25-mile-an-hour wind, and then this round we're going to turn up the heat to 95 degrees and just have it be, like, humid as heck. I like the fact that we had different weather patterns, and I like that at major championships.
2: You know, you, you picked him before. I mean, he's he was he's been one of the best players in the world for a long time now. It was kind of between the three guys. I was kicking myself immediately after he came storming back after the four putt. Uh, this guy now, you know, he's got that second major It felt like this year, the, you know, kind of the dam had broke, like, okay, it's on. Rom has figured it out. But at this tournament specifically, fourth, ninth, seventh, fifth, now he's won it. I I think most people that follow the sport would pick this guy to win several majors, just in general, whether that's four, seven, whatever. But this tournament, it feels like it'd be a shocker if he doesn't win this thing again
1: yeah i mean look we always say that on tuesday after a guy wins one and we're like well if he plays like that he's gonna win every single time well that, that's the whole point is he doesn't play like that that said yes i i do agree with you that john rom doesn't seem like a one and done at augusta national like he's gonna pack it up and leave but funny things happen i mean we would have thought by this point that rory McElroy would have three of these things yeah and, oh by the way he does not we'll get into him i know but um, I, I was so impressed with the way Rom persevered. As you mentioned, I, I picked him last week on your show. I picked him on a thousand other shows that I did before the Masters. And I'm walking through the press building in Augusta National, and I didn't see the first hole, but I look up at the big board, and all I see is Rom plus two through one. And I'm like, You've got to be freaking kidding me. Like, I, I, I just picked him everywhere. Like, give me give me a chance, John. Just give me a chance. All of a sudden, everyone's chirping at me on Twitter, like, oh. Sobel jinxed him. He birdies the next two, winds up making nine birdies on the day, shoots 65. It's actually like that perseverance. And I talked about him playing through the bad weather and him going into Sunday trailing a guy that's known to win major championships. All of those things together is what I thought was the most impressive part of Rom. The fact that he persevered after being down in each of those situations. I don't think that Rom two or three years ago – could have handled that. Rom, two or three years ago, snaps a club over his knee, throws something into the woods and gets too fired up um, about what's going on. I thought there was a calmness around him that really helped this week.
2: Totally agree. I mean, Tiger kind of had it from the jump, the mental toughness. Phil learned it over time. You know, I think it's a question mark with Rory. You know, I think Jordan has it, but is it good enough consistently? Like, this guy clearly is good enough, and if he's got the mentals right, you know, holy shit. I mean... On the flip side, a guy that's also had it, it feels like, from pretty early in his career, was Kepka. It's hard to say he choked. I mean, he got the better end of the draw. He definitely didn't play well. Uh, your vantage point, I mean, a huge... He's a guy that, which I appreciate, hauls ass when he plays. Yep. Playing in front of, I don't know, the or behind the slowest human being Ugh. of all time in Patrick Cantlay. So twofold, thoughts on Brooks and the slow play situation. Was that, you know, some of the talk uh, of the Sunday?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll I'll start with slow play and it it was bad. Patrick Hanley, I get it. Look, I I can see both sides of this because I've often been a defender of these players who look, it's not your Sunday afternoon four ball where you're just kind of like, "Hey man, come on, hit that putt. Let's go." It's I'm, playing, but you for you Jack- you I'm shoot,
2: playing. You can't shoot you can't shoot you can't shoot 75 and go that slow, though, right? You can shoot 69. 75 is
1: even I don't care if you are shooting 63. Like at some point, hit the ball. Like you just gotta hit the ball. You just gotta be confident in yourself and go, all right, what's the number? Got it. Let me hit it. And, and you've just got to do it. And so um, it's not a matter of like shaving off time, it's a matter of respect for your fellow playing for your fellow players. I mean, Kepka and wrong. There's a a great shot of them sitting together in a tee box, oh, like yeah. looking out there waiting. Kepko was asked about it after the round. And he's like, Oh my God, was it slow? He, he said they were slow up there, but that was not, I, I think he was playing with Hovland, wasn't he?
2: Um, yeah, he was. Ho- yeah.
1: Hovland was not slow. Hovland was walking ahead, hitting shots before Cantley even hit before him. So um, that was one guy and, and Cantley's got to do something about it. He will be hearing some things about that in the locker room at, uh, Town this week. You can bet that. So getting back to kepka well, he hasn't been in the situation for a while one year ago he left augusta national completely filled with doubt so he tried to punch a hole through his car's windshield the back windshield and tried twice couldn't, couldn't do it but he was very disappointed in his own in his own play and and very uncertain about the future and i think that led to him going to live i mean we also saw a full swing where he was doubting his future doubting whether he could ever beat the world's best players again, I think that led to him going to live. He he admitted that if he hadn't been hurt last year, if he hadn't been playing poorly, he might have thought twice about going to live. And so the fact that he's able to come back, I, I still think, and I maintain this all the time, guys that get into contention at major championships, even if they don't win, the general public looks at it as a negative. He will take more positives from this. He will know and understand coming out of this, like, all right, I'm good now. I can go out there and compete with the world's best players. I can go win another major or handful of majors, and so I, I do think that Brooks gains more optimism from this than pessimism. That said, two of the biggest alphas in the sport playing together on Sunday afternoon, John Rahm absolutely out alphaed Brooks Kepka. I mean, there were times Kepka's going to hit his shot and Rahm's walking up ahead. Rahm did the Tiger thing where look, we all know Tiger wore red on Sundays. There was a reason for that besides just the ones he's said. When you're standing over your ball and you can see a little speck of red out of the corner of your eye on the tee box, that tells you in the back of your mind, hey, Tiger's right there. He's coming for me. And John Robb did a very good job of getting in Brooks Koepka's eyeline whenever he needed to. I thought he won the mind games, and that helped him win the whole thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm with you. I mean, it was – it it was less a down moment for Brooks because it was actually overall an incredible showing for the guy. And I think moving forward in the majors, he's going to have to be taken seriously on our betting yeah. cards, the way we discuss and more of just a massive muscle flex for a guy that should go down. If he stays healthy as one of the great players, not just of his era, but potentially internationally, you know, of all time. I mean, the ceiling's really high. Speaking of guys with high ceilings, obviously Phil, you know, I mean, he's one of the great players in the history of the sport. Uh, the live guys being on site pretty cool moment, you know, with jo- with Jordan and-, and Phil P Reed had a pretty, you know, an incredible weekend. Obviously Brooks kind of led the charge. W- what was the overall reaction from your vantage point here in the roars seeing the guys fr- from live and-, and Phil specifically who felt like he kind of went mute at the dinner pretty quiet kind of started coming out of his shell as he started playing better. It felt like, you know, from us watching him on TV. Uh, look, if I'm supposed to explain Phil, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I,
1: I have no explanation for this guy. Well, what did you, Marshall, hear, what, what, you, what, what did you
2: hear about the dinner? What what was the thoughts?
1: Same on, as everyone else heard. I mean, I didn't hear anything different, but just that he was a little muted. Um, you know, it wasn't the, the traditional Phil. And I'll tell you that I've written stories in the past where Phil has stood up and held court in the middle of the champion's dinner, just trying to be the smartest guy in the room and explain things to everybody. Hey, here's why they call it this. And, you know, Adam Scott brought Havlova for dessert one time, and uh, Phil Mickelson stood up and he said, oh, Havlova's actually because this old pastry maker was in love with a Russian ballerina, and he named it after her, and this, there was none of that this week. And I think, Phil, even on the golf course, seemed a little bashful almost, seemed... You know, This wasn't the usual Phil where he was a little arrogant, a little brash. This was Phil sort of just, hey, I'm, I'm playing golf. Thanks, guys. I'll give you a little thumbs up. But it was not the same old Phil. There's more gratitude, more thankfulness for being able to go out there and, and play. So it reminded me a lot of Kiowa. And Kiowa two years ago, Phil kept telling everyone, hey, I'm playing really well. It's coming real soon. And everyone else is going, no, I'm looking at your results. It's not coming soon. And Phil proved himself right. And same thing here. Phil said from the beginning of the week, yeah, I know good things are right around the corner. I'm playing really well. And I'm sitting there looking at his live results. You only have 48 players in these events. He hadn't finished better than 27th all year. So I'm like, no. He's going to all of a sudden play well at the Masters, and yet, lo and behold, there's Phil playing really well. So that's the part of Phil that I thought was very intriguing. As for the live players themselves, I think anyone who wanted to come into this with the belief that, hey, they don't play quote-unquote real golf anymore and they can't play more than 54 holes and uh, they can't play without music blaring and they can't play in long pants, I think all of that can be dismissed now. And I think we understand. These are still world-class golfers. They can show up for a week in Augusta and play good golf. I wouldn't be surprised if at the PGA Championship a month from now we see a handful of more live players on the leaderboard once again. And I'll also throw out, John, that there look, I'm an optimistic guy. I'm I'm gonna give you the silver lining here. There's a non-zero chance that not having the best players in the world all playing against each other on a regular basis almost makes us anticipate the four majors even more now. We don't get Agreed. John Rahm and Brooks Kepka against each other for the three months, first three months of the year. All of a sudden, okay, now let's see what those guys have. Let's see what these guys have. Let's see them up against each other. I think it makes the majors even more exciting than they were
2: before. Totally agree. I mean, I'm sure you saw this morning, the ratings were up, you know, the the, the Kepka versus Rom. I mean, by no means is that Tiger versus Phil, but holy, I mean, right. that's, I think that's a direct reflection of that story transcended, you know, quote unquote, niche golf, right? It, it became a non-sports story because of the political aspects of it. Uh, you know, I was reading your gambling column this morning and I was texting with someone his buddies with Spencer Levine who Monday qualifies for the Corn Ferry. I'm like, why do you have to do that? And it's because all these guys, the PJ Tour guys are playing in it because it's an elevated week. It's like, what, what listen, I, I don't pretend to be Jay Monahan here, but what are we doing? Like, should should we take a week off after or just you, you just money, keep money, riling money. off? Mon- Obviously, they've talks. always played after majors, but yeah,
1: they're they're not taking a week off. And look, if RBC wants to put in the money as a sponsor and say, Hey, we'll step up, we'll put in the money to have a designated event and have the best players at our event, they go, okay, sounds good to us. And all of a sudden, you've got the best players showing up to Hilton Head this week. And I, my guess is you're going to see a lot of top players. We're we're going to know who wants to be there and who doesn't, because you're going to see a lot of top players going home on Friday afternoon. You just are. Guys who are just wiped. Jordan Spieth, who's the defending champion and would have been showing up anyway, talked about after the Masters being exhausted. And I'm almost surprised that he's teeing it up. Rory McElroy isn't teeing it up. I don't understand it. He's only allowed to skip one designated event. Essentially, they're supposed to give up their player impact program money if they don't play uh, all but one designated event. He skipped Kapalua already, now skips this one. He made $12 million in the pip. I can't imagine that he's saying, hey, I'm going to skip Town. I don't need the extra 12 mil. That's sort of the point of giving them all more money. I don't understand that whatsoever. But uh, Rory won't be there. Most of the big names will be. I wouldn't be surprised if look. I, it would take a lot for John Rom to miss the cut, but I wouldn't be surprised if John Rom's somewhere in the twenties or thirties on the leaderboard this week. He just he, he's not going to be able to get up for it.
2: Like I'm sorry if John Rom can play in this thing. Rory, you didn't do anything all weekend, you know, unless you're injured or something. I mean, that's mental anguish. I I don't know. Well, back to Rory. W- yeah. What happened? Uh, that was appalling.
1: I don't know how else to put it. That was one of the most disappointing rounds of golf I've seen from a professional golfer in a long time. He shot 72 in the first round. Okay, not terrible. We're seven back. Look, the way he came back on the weekend last year, that's fine. 77 in round two. He tied Jose Maria Olatobo, who doesn't even play on the senior tour anymore. And it wasn't even just the score. It was the way he did it. I watched him that day, and... After a few of the bogeys, he had this little smile on his face. and I'm not suggesting that Rory was happy about making bogeys. It was almost like he was resigned to the fate. He was resigned to, all right, right, Mr. Augusta National, I can't do it. Never going to do it. I can't win here. Uh, sort of like what Sergio said before he finally did win. And maybe, maybe Rory needs to get to that point where he tells himself, I'll never win here, so I'm going to give up. And then he goes out and wins the next year. I don't know. He's tried everything else. He's tried to make it mean everything. He's tried to trick himself into having it mean nothing. He's tried to play no golf there beforehand. Last week, he played 81 holes of golf in the week leading up to it. I don't know that there's a strategy that's going to work for him other than just saying, okay, I give up. Augusta wins. I lose. I'll never win there. It worked for Sergio. Maybe it works for him, but that was that was terrible. The, the fact that Rory McIlroy misses a was it 54-man cut uh, in an 88-man field? That's embarrassing.
2: I, I totally agree. I mean, you saw Scotty Scheffler couldn't putt to save his life and was still battling his ass off. Right. You know, th- th- there's a level of, you know, I think in sports, whether it's Steph Curry, Giannis, and th- the top guys in basketball and football, like there's just a level of expectation when the moment's the biggest for you to try hard. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so uh, this week is the strategy. I, I know you have Sun JM. You know, you've taken a guy that, you know, there's a lot of guys that a little under the radar last year that, or last week that played well. I saw Gary Woodland, some names, and some of these guys that feel like they're just kind of out of gas or a Davis Riley or Ricky Fowler that didn't play last week, you know, that come in fresh to get an advantage. Uh, it feels like this is a hard gambling card. Yeah, so in the past there are a handful of players that would go
1: from the masters to Harbor town. And I know he's to fade them. The narrative being, ah, oh, they played the pressure cooker and you know, now how are they going to get up for the next event? And let's just go on to the other guys. And narrative doesn't really play out. I mean, we saw Jordan Spieth and Patrick Canley in a playoff here last year. Their players are good. No matter where they're playing, they probably got a nap on Monday afternoon, just like I did. And they're ready to go this week. So I'm not necessarily crossing them off the card, the guys that I'm looking at, though, are the ones that normally play at Harbor Town anyway and not the guys who are only playing because it's a designated event. So Rom, for instance, played here in 2020. That was during the pandemic, and that's the only time he played here, and, and he doesn't usually show up. I can't imagine that he's going to show up and play good golf. Max Homa, same thing, played in 2020. That's the only time he's played here. I can't imagine he's going to show up and play his best golf. So I'm looking at the guys who normally come year after year anyway and are used to this. Sunjay plays a ton of golf anyway, so it's not going to really bother him playing the week after the Masters. Trending in the right direction, does everything really well. The one thing he doesn't have against the best players in the world is driving distance, and that's the one thing you don't need this week. 7,200 yards, most of the big names will leave driver in the bag on a lot of these holes
2: anyway. I think it's a great course for Sunjay to go out there and, uh, and get that third win. Well, Thegala, who uh, had about 17 different moments at the Masters, ugly, great, he's all over the map. He, he's, I mean, probably the best player on tour that can't really drive it straight at all. Does that benefit him here this week? You just don't even pull it out because his short game, and obviously he can score, and his odds, just looking at it for guys, that, you know, he's not a guy that's mailing it in at this point in time of his career. So you get him 60, 65 to 1, is, is there some value? Or you know this course, is it... You know, It hasn't like Harmon, I mean, Kisner, I mean, guys like that can really have success here. So it's it's not your typical modern-day PGA Tour course anymore, right? Oh, shorter golf course, everyone has a chance here, no matter if
1: you hit it 260 or 330. I, I like Thigala for outrights because I think that ceiling is massive, and I think he yeah. might be coming off some momentum last week. I don't like him as much for props, for DFS, for other safer plays because I do think there's a wide variance there and we've seen that from Saith as much as I like him and I think he's going to be an absolute superstar if he's not almost there already I do think that there's a a wide range of outcomes for him as opposed to some of the other players in his price range that maybe they won't win but they're a pretty good bet for a top 20 Saith still a little all or nothing on a regular basis so I like the outright play but I'm not playing him for top twenties because I think there's there there's too much of a, a range there that he can finish outside of that.
2: I know this. I start seeing Sam Burns creep up around 40 to 1, 35 to 1 range. It's like he's I live bet him last week at the Masters, yeah. and then he yeah. started just bogeying everything in sight. But his pants are tight. Pants are <laughs> way too tight. Um, like to me to me, him and Hovland are like having a tight pants off. I, by the way, I can I please just
1: Mountain support of Hovland's Thursday shirt, which I, I told Victor. I, I interviewed Victor after the round. I'm like, dude, I like it. And he kind of looked at me like, eh, like, like he didn't like it, but he's like, oh, well, thanks. Like, you can have it if you want. One of those kind of things. But
2: I thought it was good. I thought it was good look. I also, are you coming, are you coming around on my guy, Hovland? I mean, this guy, is, that, he's really, he's getting bad. What, what's, your, what's your issue with him? YouTube.
1: He's terrible. terrible around the greens. Harbertown this week. I was doing my podcast with Ben Everill last night. And Evrill picked Hovland for something. I go, it's it's a short course with small greens. You're not going to hit them all, which means you have to get up and down. And he sucks at chipping. I mean, I'll, that's not my words; those are his words. We know this. I, I just, I find I'm my mind is actually blown by Victor Hovland how he can be a top ten player, and still have one aspect of his game as poor as it is right now. I think it's getting better. He's talked about it getting better, but until it gets just to field average level I have a hard time going after hovland unless it's a course where it's big fairways and especially big greens give me a big resort course which is where he's won before yeah big little resort course with those big greens where he doesn't have to chip because he's hitting 16 17 greens and greg every round
2: Are are you better off in your career around these guys Being like the Zalatoris or Morakowis, I know kind of struggled at both, but just struggling at putting Keegan Bradley historically, or a guy that just can't really chip. Would you rather have one? Because it does feel like amateur golfer here, chipping is more improvable than if putting's always in your head.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, the ball striking obviously is sustainable. I, they can all putt. There are very few bad putt. If you're a bad putter, you're not playing on the PGA Tour. You're either a, yeah, relatively relatively speaking. Um, it, which is weird that Victor Hovland is hes a pretty average putter, like average in relation to like any level of professional golf, not just PGA tour level. So, you know, that's what it's not that, you know, oh, he's not great at chipping. It's like, no, he's like really bad at it. Um, I guess, let's say, would you rather be a, a bad chipper or a bad putter? I uh, I guess chipper, you can get away with like. Well, I, well my I, take I, is you
2: can improve. You can. It's easier to make a, an improvement there. I, feel I suppose like. so.
1: I suppose so. It's also easier to get away from it. I played a member guest a couple weeks ago with a buddy who was really struggling with his chipping. By the time we got to our second or third match, we're talking over shots, and he goes, yeah, what do you like here? I go, put it in the middle of the green so I don't have to see you chip anymore. And so, essentially, if you're Shay Knight, Victor Holland's caddy, at some point when he's not chipping well, you go, just put it in the middle of the green and yeah. so I don't have to watch you chip.
2: Did you see the the picture of Phil using the putter on the driving range? I did not see that. <laughs> Someone's like, it's a bold move to use the Texas wedge on the driving range, but Phil did it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you recovered. And uh, let's let's you know we get a nice chill weekend now. A little RBC Heritage. Now it's not quite the Masters. Covered this one time
1: back in 2015. I followed Jordan there after he won the Masters, and I'm telling you, there is no better chill spot after a major championship to to go, whether you're a competitor in the field and playing, whether you're someone in the media covering it, whether you're a fan and wanted to watch both of them, it is a very cool spot for these guys. So even the guys that don't show up every year, they're going to enjoy it this time.
2: Uh, I agree. Well, so we'll have a good week, and uh, we'll talk to you next weekend. And the second major is not too far away. We're getting there. Can't wait. Bundle up 50 degrees in Rochester next month. Let's do it.
4: There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Okay, let's bang out a little mailbag, at Golopod, at Golopod. Uh, firing those DMs on Instagram. Try to throw up some content of uh, me golfing my golf takes, as well as just other golf stuff. So it's just, I dedicated uh, Instagram feed to golf. From Reese, the first tournament I followed was the 18 Masters. I'm a casual golf fan who's getting more into it every year. Since I don't know the in, ins and outs of the sport, I want to know if my cynicism toward Rory is warranted or totally unfair. The way the media talks about Rory, especially during Sunday at St. Andrews for the 22 Open, was hard to listen to. In no other sport would we be okay with accommodators openly pulling for a team to win. Sunday at the Open was eight hours of the entire golf world is pulling for Rory. And then Cam Smith spoils Rory's day. To me, he has never earned the outlier status uh, that he's been crowned with and I made some money off Rory's poor master's performance. I have a few theories about why he's received this way, but wanted to get your thoughts. I'm a former Kansas football player, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, Kansas fan. My favorite golfer is Gary Woodland. Love me some Gary Woodland. Did you know that Gary played basketball? I did. Um, I, I went to the U.S. Open. Gary won. I've gambled on him several times. Last year, he had a pretty good run getting top fives. Well, the first and foremost, the Open Championship uh, at St. Andrews is just kind of a defining win for a golfer, right? Tiger, Jack. I mean, it's a really big deal. And anytime you get, you know, I would say someone from Ireland, you know, Europeans in general, like that tournament is really the way we view kind of the Masters and U.S. Open combined. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a big deal for a Euro or an Irishman to win the Open, the U.S. Open. But most of them would definitely choose the Open. And a lot of them would take the Masters. But it would have been a really, really big deal for Roy to win that tournament. Now, part of the reason he's held in such high regard, he's a four-time major champion. And he's 33 years old. He has not won a major in nine years. So it shows you how fast that he jumped on the scene. He's won the players. He's won the FedEx several times. But he's also very, very accomplished, Right. He's won, whatever, 23, 25 times on the PGA Tour. But he's very good, you know? Like, I, I think we're doing him, like, looking at his major career. 16 top fives. Uh, six top threes. 27 top tens. So, I, you know, last year I think he was top five in every major. And obviously he should have won. Not should have, because Cam stole it on, on Sunday for sure. But Rory's really good. He's one of the greatest drivers of all time. Uh, I don't think he's one of the greatest players of all time to me, I think if you really nitpick, but his career's not over. He's 33 years old. You know, at, at, at the same age, Phil Mickelson, what was Phil, like 32 in the first year he won a major? Now, it's harder probably, once Phil started winning majors in the early, mid-2000s, little less competition than currently. Like, ultimately, Rory's got Rom, Scotty, you know, Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, as well as Jordan, uh, it's just, to me, it's just deeper. Then you got the Cam Youngs coming, Homa, who eventually is going to play well in, in a major. So I, I think a lot of it is how you start. And anytime you start fast in a career, like let's say Patrick Mahomes doesn't win a Super Bowl for the next five years. Or excuse me, not a Super Bowl, a playoff game. Let's say the Chiefs, let's just, five years is a long time. Let's just say the next three playoffs, the Chiefs are one and done in the playoffs. Right? We would say that is a massive disappointment for Andy and Mahomes. But they'd also say, yeah, we went to three Super Bowls, you know, in four years and won two of them. So, like, you have success, you just get held in in really high regard. So I agree in a weird way, he's a tad bit overrated because I, I think we try to be like, this guy's the next, like, Tiger or Jack. And like, no, he's probably just the Irish version of Phil. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, he's going to win 30 plus times on tour. He'll win another major. Hell, maybe he could win six or seven majors in his career, right? He could easily win a U.S. Open, a PGA Championship, an Open Championship. Probably, he might never win the Masters. Like, I, I've after watching this week, like, yeah, he might never win the Masters, which is okay, right? Some great players. Ernie Ells, I think, has, what, four majors? Never won a Masters? It happens. Lee Trevino, one of my favorite players of all time, uh, even though I never watched him in his prime. But he never won a Masters. Hey, John, curious Listener of three and out and big fan of this pot. Curious to get your take on Rory after the masters. You were big on him going into the tournament, yet he obviously performed very poorly. I have many debates with friends about McElroy over the years, and I perceive him to be hugely overrated. Nearly 10 years without a major is almost criminal for a player of his obvious talent. He claims he wants to win the career slam and that the masters is important to him. Yet he gets mic'd up to do live interviews on the course. Surely a huge distraction and something Tiger would have never done during his comeback. Yeah, I think it's a little different in 2023. Like, part of the business now is the mic'd up thing. You know, JT did it. Homa done it. Speed's going to eventually do it. Rom will do it. Like, it's just part of the business. Like, businesses change. You know, I used to to do what I'm doing right now. I would have had to have a radio show. Now radio's hanging on for dear life, and, you know, we're stealing all the advertising. Right? Like, once upon a time, Tiger could just be an asshole to everybody. Didn't have to do anything. He's a major outlier. You know, I I think part of it, like say this about Phil and the Arnie's and the Lee Trevino's and part of it is being a showman to help the old, the overall business, which I think Rory is, which is why he gets credit. He is just, he's an all in guy. Is he lacking something? Maybe when I, when I'm say lacking, like to be a eight, 10 time major champion, which his talent, you could argue is worthy of that. So yeah, is he a little bit overrated? I, I think it's fair to say, but I also think we're diminishing. Remember last year? When he beat Scotty Scheffler for the $15 million, FedEx, like took his ass down. <laughs> like, like let's, you know, part of what's weird about golf, like in football, you either win or you lose, right? The 49ers have not won a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan. They've been bounced three of the last four years, NFC Championship game, Super Bowl, and it's devastating. Like that loss to the to the Eagles sucks, right? That is a shitty of a loss as you can get. Like Brooks Kepka, kind of the equivalent, right? Big lead kind of crumbles down the stretch. Phil still finishes tied for second, right? That is tied for second in the Masters. You take that all day long. So it's just... Golf's a little bit different. I don't know if we give enough credit to guys that finish consistently second, third, and fourth. It's what makes, like, Jack so incredible is how many times he finished second. Honestly, it's what Phil... He's never going to have the majors of Tiger, but look at his success. I mean, it's, it's outstanding. Honestly, the only place he didn't really have success is the players, which... Shit, I, I wouldn't either. Place looks way too hard. But I, I do think we have to give, like, Rom, right? A lot of people would be like, God, he's just only got the one major. Well, look at what he's done the last five years. He's dominating. I mean, he's kicking everyone's ass. So, like, Jordan hasn't won a major in a while. But, like, you watch him in these big tournaments, he's played pretty well. Immediate question following this master's finish. This is from Wade. I'm seeing some online take about the victory lap of Liv with Rom being the guy to pull it off. My reaction is I'm generally impressed with the live players result. No one had two of the top three guys being live players. We knew they'd be on the board Sunday, but I didn't see anyone taking T2 for two live players, especially Phil. Am I reading this wrong? Was this performance not the ammo the shark needs to show up to the world? His guys can still tee it up. Well, yeah, I mean, I was thinking this cause I listen, you get on the internet bots screaming at each other. Think about the two of the guys, right, that finished tied for second, Brooks and Phil. He gave Phil $200 million. He gave Brooks, I don't have the exact amount, but everyone has agreed. It's not quite DJ, but it's, you know, about Bryson, like 150, not 150, excuse me, like 100 to 125. So those two guys got a combined $300 million for a reason. Now, Patrick Reed, like pretty good player. And the the other thing, if Brooks is healthy, like, he's an ass kicker. Like, if DJ cares, like, he's an ass kicker. Cam Smith, the reason you give him $100 million, fucking guy can play. I mean, it's not like they gave, you know, if some rival football league was like, yeah, we're just going to steal uh, all the XFL and USFL players. You'd be like, good luck. But if they took, you know, if they signed Nick Bosa, Patrick Mahomes, Fred Warner, Micah Parsons, Justin Jefferson, and George Kittle and then they played an NFL team with a bunch of other dudes and gave him a game, would it be that crazy? Like, they took a bunch of sweet guys. I mean, DJ won a tournament every single year for like 15 straight years. Easily could have like five majors. Cam Smith looked like a shooting star. Patrick Reed is just, dude, has won on tour several times. Obviously, Brooks' resume speaks for itself. Bryson, the crazy thing is he's just irrelevant, but like, Joaquin Neiman. Remember last year at Riviera? Beat the shit out of everybody. Like, Joaquin Neiman's a stick. So They got good players, man. They, they, they really do. And the other thing is, it's not like these guys... Phil Mickelson's played on the PJ Tour since, like, the early 90s. Brooks has been a stalwart on the Tour now for, you know, close to a decade. So these guys have the reps, even if they were a little rusty or whatever. Now, I, I, my overall take is, and I talked to Sobel a little bit about this... The Masters is unique because these guys like Patrick Reed's been playing there forever now, right? Phil's been playing there for 25 years, right? Uh, uh, who else am I missing? DJ. I mean, these guys have played there forever. The other tournaments change, right? Like, if, if, you, what's it going to look like? I, I think it's fascinating. Enormous win for Liv if they keep getting guys in the top 10 in every major, right? If Is this what it's going to look like at wherever the PJ Championship is and obviously LACC and I got to look where the Open Championship is. They had a pretty good major run here. What's up? Big fan from Australia. My girlfriend and I are planning a four-week road trip next year in California, Arizona, Nevada. If you recommend 10 must-play courses, what would they be? Preferably no more than $200 around. Well, I don't know about you guys in Arizona or excuse me, in Australia, uh, in places like Arizona, the Bay Area in Los Angeles, we got this thing called inflation. And it is very, very difficult to find $200 rounds. Now, if you're in Northern California, uh, if you could play Yochideshi, it is in Cache Creek in Northern California. It's a hidden gem. Now, it costs you 150 bucks. The Bay Area, I would recommend TPC Harding Park. Now, that might be a little more than 200 but it's a good track. Uh, I think in Southern California... Honestly, I've never really played that much golf there beside at country clubs. I I think that Torrey Pines, people listening that live down there, my brother played a couple months after Rom won the major, and he's like, he paid, you know, 400 bucks, said it was shitty, said it was awful. Arizona's got incredible public golf Uh, TPC, Scottsdale, uh, Greyhawk, and in the summer, you can find pretty good deals. Wecapow, Quintero. But in California, it's a little more difficult to find like really nice public courses, in my experience. Uh, maybe it's a little bit easier in LA, but in Northern California, TPC Harding Park, which is, you know, really right next to Olympic Club, and in uh, a little out in the boonies. But anyone listening that lives in Northern California that's ever played it, uh, it's sweet. I might even be saying it wrong. Yoshidishi, it's hard to say. Hey, question for the Golo mailbag. Heard you talking about bones and got me thinking. As a newcomer to golf, what's the significance of a caddy? Oh, I think we answered this question. I think caddies mean a lot, man. I mean, you, you see the reaction of some of these younger guys, right? Scotty with his caddy, who used to be with Bubba forever. Uh, John Rahm with his caddy now. The, the, obviously, what Greller means to Spieth. I Listen, I I think, you know, for whatever, it's it's weird now, but... It feels like Tiger and his caddy have always been pretty close, right? Stevie Williams, I think, was the best man at his wedding, right? Look how him and Joe LaCava. I mean, those guys, they're just like in the trenches together. I I would be all in on my caddy. If I was an agent to one of these guys, if I was a coach, that would be a really, really big deal, that relationship, especially in 2023 with social media and just all the negativity that can fly through all of our lives. I think having a guy that you can lean on uh, that you trust, that knows what he's doing, is a really, really big deal. I mean, what was everyone saying last week about, uh, God, this guy, I mean, he is, hopefully he stays healthy. Because he's kind of got like a bigger version of Zalatoris vibe. And that Zalatoris swing hurt his back. But Cam Young, I love watching that dude play, man. Uh, I'm, I'm going to head to the range. I'm recording this Tuesday afternoon. I'm going to try to do some Cam Young swings. That like pause, load up. I've been saying forever, it's... It's ironic that he's sponsored by Major League Baseball because he feels like a power hitter. He feels like a dude in the middle of the lineup like when I was a kid that like would have been in the middle of the lineup like Fred McGriff or Frank Thomas. Just like, yeah, he's good for 44 home runs a year. Just hits fucking laser beams, seeds. I'll tell you this, San Francisco Giants don't have any of those guys, but uh, appreciate everyone listening. It's it's a good year to have a good year, baby. Let's keep it rocking and rolling. The volume.com. Uh, Check out the Go Low merch. Some polos, some hats. And uh, we'll just keep rocking and rolling, baby. Keep working on that golf game. Let's try to go low. And the key to go low is not, you know, go low the entire round. If you can play so shitty, but if you have a birdie in that round, it's okay, right? And if you're a 20 handicapper and you have a couple pars, you feel pretty good, right? Especially like a non-par 3 par. Like you par a tough par 4. You hit a couple greens in regulation. So it keeps us coming back. You, You hit a good... You know, seven iron from a buck 65 or a buck 70. You hit a good long five iron. You hit a straight three wood. No feeling like it, man. It's We don't get to, when you're 40 years old, get to keep playing football or baseball. For some of you hardos that are still playing hard pitch, uh, Godspeed to you. I, I couldn't do it. Can't risk tearing Achilles. So talk to everyone soon. Adios. <laughs>